gentlemen, the Vice President-Elect of the United States, Kamala Devi Harris and Mr. Douglas Imhoff. The President-Elect of the United States, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. and Dr. Jill Biden. This is the day when our democracy picks itself up, brushes off the dust, and does what America always does, goes forward as a nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Americans have celebrated this moment during war, during depression, and now during pandemic. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute. That I will faithfully execute. The office of President of the United States. Office of President of the United States. And will, to the best of my ability, will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend. Preserve, protect, and defend. The Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. So help you God. So help me God. Congratulations, Mr. Thank President. You. At this hour, my friends, democracy has prevailed. Hello, I'm Jason Dick, and this is The Transition, a special edition of Political Theater. It's Wednesday, January 20th, 2021, Inauguration Day. The presidency of Donald Trump is over. The presidency of Joe Biden has started. The 2020 election cycle, which began well before the year 2020 and lasted well after the new year, has challenged Americans like few before it. A global pandemic a reckoning over racial justice, an armed attack on the Capitol attempting to derail the democratic process just two weeks ago, those and many more events shook the foundations upon which the United States stands. Inaugurations are always designated as national security events, but the 59th inauguration took it to another level. Approximately 25,000 National Guard troops and another 15,000 federal, state, and local law enforcement officers were on hand to keep the peace and prevent the kind of violent disruption we saw on January 6th. The COVID-19 pandemic that has killed more than 400,000 Americans required health precautions that curtailed attendance and movement and the normal pomp and circumstance. And yet, we still had pomp and circumstance. Lady Gaga sang the national anthem. Senators Roy Blunt and Amy Klobuchar quipped cute about not planning for snow and how J-Lo was the warm-up act for Chief Justice John Roberts. It had been 31 years since Garth Brooks released Friends in Low Places, but he did finally show up in boots. And he led the inaugural crowd in singing Amazing Grace. CQ Roll Call staff writer Jim Saxa was among our crew up at the Capitol today, and he talked to several folks on the ground, staffers, members of Congress, guests, ushers, and uh, we're going to talk to him about what he found. Jim, have you thawed out yet from standing on the uh, the, the West Front for about four hours? You know, uh, it was snowing at one point, and then the sun started to come out just as uh, Father O'Donovan was giving his uh, benediction. And 
that really warmed up uh, at least me and I think the rest of the crowd. Um, and thankfully, since uh, the festivities all ended, I was able to sneak over to the Rayburn uh, building on the house side where it is much, much warmer. Excellent. Um, so you uh, uh, thoughtfully brought your sound equipment uh, as a uh, as a, a former radio guy and fellow co-host for this podcast, uh, and you talked to several folks. The the let's uh, um, let's talk about some of that. The you, you talked to some some people who worked for the uh, the Joint Congressional uh, Committee on Inaugural Ceremonies or JSIC uh, to the. Uh, 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 the in crowd, uh, if there is an in crowd on inaugural credential speak. Um, <laughs> and uh, let, what, what, did, what did you find from them? I mean, you kind of joked uh, a, little, a little bit later that you, you, you were having trouble at, at one point finding anybody who wasn't uh, in communications up there. But uh, they, what, what did they, what they tell you? This, the, the folks from this, uh, the joint committee. Yeah, I talked to two people. One uh, was this uh, young Democratic woman, and the other was a young aide to uh, Republican Senator uh, Mike Crapo. And they both talked about a sense of relief. And their relief, though, was specific about uh, getting through the event. It's a beautiful day. I'm really impressed with how everything's come together. You know, we were here for uh, the practice on on Monday. and it's just good to see the organization today. Um, it seems like they've done a really good job of securing the place and security. I've had to show my badge multiple times, yeah. and definitely everyone knows what's going on. So yeah. I feel like I'm in the safest place in the world right, right now. Right, right. exactly. Uh, Against all odds, this, we're able to have an event of this caliber and this size and um, able to do it with everyone watching from home. There's so much concern about the safety of everyone involved in the inauguration after the events of uh, January the 6th. Um, So they were both uh, just excited to have a smooth and safe, socially distant inauguration. And on that end, uh, it was an absolute smashing success, I think. Um, People seemed, uh, while disappointed, Naturally, that there weren't the big parties uh, and the inaugural luncheon and the usual fanfare of that sort. People were really pleased in how the events unfolded today. And you also talked to, in addition to these two folks from um, the Joint Committee, you talked to uh, someone who was a volunteer. Uh, she, she worked in the clerk's office. Uh, but she uh, she was a volunteer to to sort of staff and and make sure things ran smoothly. Um, what what did what did she have to say? What struck you about what she had to say about being there? You know what, what struck me. You know these are volunteers that work for uh, the capital staff that need to remain uh, nonpartisan. You know, are you excited for today? Yes, I am very excited. Uh, do you have to avoid like saying how you feel partisan wise about today? Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm not gonna. I don't want to because I don't want to get myself in trouble. Okay, yeah, lose yeah. my job. <laughs> so, but I'm just feeling good. You know, it's a good day, and um, you know, I, that's all I can say. <laughs> and they, they really. Uh, you know, spoke to a few of them and everyone had this sense of, you know, joy. You know, they, they seemed really just happy about, you know, at long last there being the transfer of power. It was being done peacefully. People were coming together. It was this return to a, a semblance of normalcy, I, I think, that, that really 
um, struck me from my conversations there. Actually, I, I, I want to jump uh, into a couple of the uh, lawmakers just because that it they they all it seemed like a lot of people did uh, that you talked to express this sense of relief. Uh, we'll come back. To, there's a there's somebody else that I want to talk about, but I want to talk specifically about uh, Congressman Kasten, uh, who who had this very kind of colorful uh, way of of expressing what he was feeling uh, that uh, <laughs> uh, when you asked him what he what you thought he would be feeling. <laughs> What emotions are you going to be feeling as Biden takes that uh, oath of office? You know, it's hard to predict, but I think the the chance to not have to go to wake up every morning and look at the news to see what what disaster has unfolded, the chance to have someone who's decent and empathetic and kind and loving, that shouldn't be something to celebrate. That should be the norm, but it's what a relief to have it back. I, I just I love I loved that he thought like you know in terms of well it'll be nice to not think of a, a disaster happening every day. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it, is that I mean it's it again people I mean these are Democrats you're talking to so particularly not a surprise uh, that they would feel pretty good about Trump uh, not being in office anymore. But it did seem like there was a lot of relief about this even among some of the Republicans up there too. Yeah, I think. People will look back at this inauguration and see it as a, a moment of catharsis. Um, you know, Republicans have had to deal with uh, questions from reporters these past four years as they roam the halls um, about whatever the latest outrage that Trump had uh, launched upon in the last 24 hours, and I, I think they'll they'll look forward to not being. Uh, on the defensive at all times. But Democrats, um, you know, obviously every year you hear, uh, you know, the every um, after every presidential election, partisans of uh, the winning side are pretty elated that their guy's in charge now. But uh, it, it went beyond that. This was, I people were expressing a much deeper emotion, a much deeper sense of, you know, palpable, relief. And I think it really is just a sense that things might return to something uh, akin to normal again. And and they did acknowledge that these are extraordinary times. I mean, you talked to Sherry Bustos, uh, who, uh, you know, is, is a um, uh, congresswoman, Democratic congresswoman from Illinois, and she, she commented about the security. How are you feeling today? Great. Um, my husband's the sheriff of uh, Rock Island County, Illinois, so I feel extra, extra safe. Uh, not you have your to, own personal bodyguard. <laughs> not to mention the thousands of National Guardsmen and women and uh, Capitol Police that we passed. So feel completely safe. Very, very excited about Joe Biden being our next president. Um, and, you know, it is, you know, like, as, as several people mentioned, we're in, a, we're in a pandemic and we got all these challenges and we have all these, you know, troops and cops you know, trying to keep us safe. But at the same time, it it does seem like people are on more familiar ground now. Yeah, um, I think a lot of the members twinned their their hopes um, and sense of, again, relief with a, a recognition that Biden and, you know, Congress are facing really huge challenges. Uh, the documentarian Kim Burns the other day, you know, put this on par with some of the challenges he's 
you know, film, um, you know, the Civil War and World War II. Uh, and and the, often, you know, comparing anything to those two searing events feels uh, hyperbolic. But when we're looking at a, you know, a pandemic on par with the, you know, Spanish flu of 1918, that's killed more than 400,000 Americans and a economy that has shed more than 10 million jobs and this deep sense of disunity in the nation. It, it's true. There is a lot of work to be done and it remains to be seen whether it can be accomplished. Joe Biden in his speech today really hammered on a message of hope um, and used references to the Civil War almost as a light motif to say that we've faced challenges on this level before and we can get past them again. Um, and, you know, it, it was striking to hear uh, repeatedly people recognizing what lies ahead, but also, you know, just exhaling for the first time in a long time, it felt like. Right. And and as you mentioned, I mean, Biden did reference the, you know, the the, the Civil War. He also mentioned World War II, uh, putting it in context that we've, with the 400,000 dead from COVID-19 in this country, we, I mean, that exceeds the number of of casualties uh, in in World War II, the Amer- American deaths in World War II. So the, um, the comparisons do hold up. Um, we haven't dealt with this kind of twin thing uh, in, in a while. I mean, there were, you know, little smallpox outbreaks and so forth in the 19th century uh, around the Civil War, but nothing like like we're dealing with COVID. Um, and you know, there there was what one of the things that struck me with, um, with the people you talked to, and then also looking at what you know Biden's speech said and what you know some of the other folks said, uh, in, either in their prayers or in their poetry or um, you know in in you know just like in the kind of soaring rhetoric was that there was this human connection, uh, and to 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 people up there, and particularly you know I mean Kamala Harris is you know swearing in as, as vice president it. It is this historic moment, the first woman, the first black, the first, uh, uh, you know, South Asian uh, vice president. And so, and you talk to one of her sorority sisters uh, in, in uh, Afrikaalpa Appa and, and about that connection. What, you know, like it, it's, it seems like they're like Biden and Harris, like there's also, um, there is this way that they, people are like latching on to them. Um, in ways that we haven't seen in a little while. Yeah, when I was talking to uh, this young Senate staffer, her name was Brianna, um, the thing that really stood out to me was she said, you know, this is someone who looks like me. I think that um, not only am I super grateful that she is the first, um, you know, woman in the White House, person of color in the White House, but to be a member of my sorority, um, it just shows me what I can do in the future. You know, that's that's a historic first. And that's something, you know, I myself as a white guy, you know, never really had to think about growing up uh, or, you know, I've always had uh, other white guys to look at, <laughs> at, at, at places of power and say that could be me one day. Um, so it was truly powerful um, and it, it shouldn't be diminished uh, just how uh big uh the the sorority connection is um you know i i, I don't think i i was 
Greek in college as well. Uh, but you know, your, your average, uh, white frat, um, and the connection that, uh, you have, especially with other members of other chapters, uh, is, is nothing like what, uh, Alpha Kappa Alpha and the other, um, uh, nine historically black, uh, uh, sororities really have. That is a lifelong commitment and connection, um, that, uh, is really powerful and, you know, young women and older women, uh, you know, continue to emphasize that connection, uh, throughout their lives. And, uh, the the um, sort of person he talked to, who I wanted to save for last, uh, was from uh, your home state of New Jersey, uh, <laughs> Representative Andy Kim. You know, he uh, oh, you, you you got in quick by um, identifying yourself as being from Tom's River, uh, which uh, probably I, I think a, a decent number of people know is uh, the home of a lot of Little League uh, World Series champions, <laughs> um, and. Another connection there uh, is somebody who um, you know he identifies himself as as again you know someone who that's somebody who looks like me that he's a son of immigrants uh, much like Kamala Harris is the the uh, daughter of, of immigrants. Talk about your uh, conversation with with uh, Congressman Andy Kim from New Jersey. Yeah, uh, Kim focused most of his comments on Biden, uh, and you know he. Andy Kim used to work before he's a, a member of Congress. Uh, he worked in the Obama White House, and he said he you know, got to know President uh, Biden when he was Obama's vice president. And he emphasized that Biden was a man of integrity. And uh, the thing that really stood out, uh, he emphasized how important his empathy is. I worked with him. I worked under him uh, when I at the White House before when he was the vice president. I know. You know, he's a man of uh, integrity and, and in some ways something that's so important right now is empathy. So, uh, you know, I hope I wish him the best of luck. I, I heard that from a lot of members today, uh, a return to empathy, a return to a president uh, and a man that truly seems to care uh, about people uh, that he works with and interacts with uh, and works for. Um that, that was something that Democrats repeated on over and over again in the conversations that I had today. Um, and, and Kim said, you know, that that's going to be uh, uh, between this president and the last. Well, Jim, thanks for uh, being up there and uh, risking uh, windburn at, at a minimum, <laughs> uh, because I, I did feel how, uh, uh, how much wind there was when I was outside earlier today. Uh, thanks. Thanks again. Uh, thanks for having me. That's going to do it for this edition of Political Theater's The Transition. Matter of fact, that's going to do it for The Transition, or at least the primary focus of this podcast for the last two and a half months. We hope our look at the presidential and congressional transition during this momentous time has been good listening for you. Of course, we'll keep discussing the new administration, the new Congress, the courts, all that good stuff. But as we put the administration of Donald Trump in the rearview mirror, we're going to say goodbye to The Transition for now. On behalf of the CQ Roll Call Newsroom, thank you for listening.